All right, and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please, 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 please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, whatever you can do to follow us here at the Lakers Fast Break, NBA Draft Chunkies, the Run the Floor podcast, or LakerHolics.com. It is truly appreciated. Well, Raphael and I had been talking about for days now when it came to the Celtics that in, if they want to go ahead and have a chance to come back in this series, if they want to go ahead and chance to win this series and have that opportunity, their two big key players, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, had to step up. And in the second half, of the game tonight, game five between the Heat and the Celtics, they did just that. It was looking pretty grim for a while for the Celtics in the first half, but they did turn around. They had a strong third quarter, and they, I guess, pretty much kept their distance in the fourth quarter and pretty much kept it in double figures almost all the way out through the uh, end of the end of the game. So it was a comfortable 121 to 108 victory for the Boston Celtics. And here today to talk to me about this game is my good friend indeed. You got to check out what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies as I bring it up right now for everybody on Facebook Live. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing in regards to the NBA Draft each and every day because he puts out video after video after video of prospects, interviews, and so much more. Be part of the over 12,000 subscribers today at NBA Draft Junkies. It is my good friend indeed. It is Rafael Barlow and Rafael it's just with the Celtics, it's very simple. Brown and Tatum have to step up and play at a superstar level. And they did just that in that second half. Yeah, I, I think they definitely stepped up. But Daniel I, I Tice Boston, did too. Daniel Tice yeah. played very yeah. I just think the defense was the the biggest change, the biggest difference in the game because nobody on Miami, I guess Dodgers had 23 and Robinson got off, but You'll live with Butler only having 17, Bam only 13. So I thought the defense stepped it up. Definitely in the second half, I thought the series was over. Yeah. And Boston showed some some Denver Nuggets type heart in the, that they in did. the third quarter. Absolutely. In that third quarter, what was the momentum changing? I mean, like you said, they stepped it up defense. Was it just a, creating those turnovers, creating just a, a whole bunch of havoc out there? Because Miami seemed so comfortable in that first half. What really got them out of the rhythm? Yeah, it just seemed like it came out of nowhere. I, I looked up, and um, they were down two. Then they took the lead. The next thing you know, they were up by eight, then 10. And then it just seemed like, Miami tried to make some runs. They just couldn't get it back. They couldn't get back in it. And you have to tip your hat to Boston. I mean, they were, I mean, their backs were against the wall and they were, you know, close to going home and and they just turned it up a notch. And if I'm not mistaken, going into this game, the the series total for points was 441 to 441. Yeah. So they were even. And, um, you know, give or take a few plays here especially the uh, the dunk or the block dunk in game one. And this series could easily be, you know, 3-2 three, three, Boston. or yeah. So it's a good series. I mean, we thought it was going to go seven, and there, there's still a chance for it to go seven. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I guess it's good for the NBA and the salary cap. They don't want the two conference finals, you know, to, to be five games. So that's the good thing about it. And I'll talk to you about the other series possibly being extended uh, here in a few minutes. But when it comes to what we saw today, this is something I think we were just going to inevitable scene. Like you said, the total points right on the money. These two teams are very close and all it takes is just one small swing one way or the other. And you're going to see that pendulum just go like in the opposite direction. So we saw that today. It was a tale of two halves. I mean, in that first half, Boston couldn't do very much right at all. They looked sluggish. They did look had no energy. They just didn't look like they were going to be able to hit their shots at all. And then whatever happened in that third quarter, maybe just like you said, just maybe it's the desperation setting in. Maybe it's the fact that they needed to go ahead and give that one last charge, so to speak. And if they did, if that was the case, it really just flowed over for that rest of that quarter. And then just right by then, it was all over. Come, come the fourth quarter. Yeah, the uh, uh, Miami just kind of dug himself in too deep of a hole. But I mean, if you look at Boston, um, Kimba didn't have a great game on paper. Um, Marcus Smart, he filled up the stat sheet, but he was three for nine. And then um, you know Hayward, he, he contributed. He had ten points. And but uh, um, yeah, the difference was, I was it Tatum in the third quarter. I think mm-hmm. he had like seventeen in the third, and then Brown. And you know what's funny about that is, if I'm not mistaken, the Lakers passed both of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, they did. <laughs> Not going to be uh, telling you different. I know for a fact that they did, and I know they got AD. They were able to make up for it with with, uh, Anthony Davis. Um, But yeah, those guys could 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 be Lakers. They could be Lakers, but unfortunately, wasn't meant to be. Some decision making there that was kind of questionable, obviously. But again, it all led to the Lakers getting Anthony Davis, and you see where they're at right now. But with Jalen Brown, the issue was always shooting. It was not defense. It was not athleticism. With him, it was just always, could he put it together in a package consistently on the offensive end? And I'm beginning to see, and I mentioned this a few days ago, the reason why I think he can go to an all-star level, maybe not a superstar, but just short of that, or maybe even a superstar level, is because of the fact I think that he's really worked hard on the shooting to become not only a competent shooter, but something much more. Yeah, I mean, he's only 23. (laughs) So he has, you know, at least in my opinion, three to four years before he even reaches his prime. I think he's played well this series. He had 28 tonight. Um, he had 21 and nine the game before, 26 and seven. I think for him, the next step for him to reach that level is to improve as a passer because throughout his career, he's every year, except maybe one, he's had more turnovers than assists. Mm-hmm. If he can become a better passer, then I think that it puts him at that next next level. But he's close, but he has plenty of time to get there. Absolutely. And like you said, only 23. So he has Mm -hmm. plenty of time to mature. And this is another situation where it was mentioned because of the young talent that's out there that's under 28, you know, that's out there that can still do a lot of things like Anthony Davis, Jokic, Murray. We're seeing that in this series when you have Tyler Hero one night going for 37 and then you see Duncan Robinson playing so well in the first half, getting all those three-pointers. And then you see in the second half the tandem of Tatum and Brown 
just doing so well. And this is, like I said, the future for the NBA going forward for a lot of these players. Yeah, the future's bright. I mean, you look at, you look at, for I mean, under 28, that, that makes the list even longer. But I think if you look at 25 and under, you can go from Jokic to Luka to Jamal Murray to the two guys in Boston, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, there's... Oh, the, AD's the, the old man of the group, if that's the case. It's hard to believe he's only... <laughs> what is he? If he is he 28? I think oh. he's 27. Sheesh. He's, so, I mean, <laughs> he's just reaching his prime. I mean, he has... You know, at least another six years yeah. at this level, and I mean, I, I think the only thing for him was to stay healthy and to win more games. And he looks—I mean, he's looking like that's going to happen in LA as far as like the winning. I mean, he's not missing these games with these little knickknack bumps and bruises anymore. Well, we'll talk about I mean, his injury in a second. You know, his injury status is still up in the air, but I, I agree with you. He. The influence of LeBron, I think, is really weighing heavily on him, and vice versa because of the defensive side for LeBron. Yep. Well, the pressure of having to win now, you know, in in New Orleans, if they won, great. If they made it to the playoffs, great. If they made it to the second round, that's awesome. In L.A., making it to the second round is a failure. So he has somebody to hold him accountable, and, then, and Laker fans will hold him accountable too. I mean, there's a lot of pressure playing underneath all those jerseys hanging up. Yes. If you go to the, I mean, think about a guy like James Harden. If he played for the Lakers and he had the same resume that he has and just kept going to like the Western Conference Finals a couple of times, losing the second round, he would not be considered a Laker great. That's true. It's tough. It's tough. So I think, you know, the pressure of that and LeBron wanting to win and, and, you know, I guess they say LeBron has a window, but I don't see it. I think his window might have like five years, five or six years, but they can go on with that. But, yeah, I mean, I just think it's – AD has had to step it up, and he's man, he's on pace to have a – I mean, I think it was already a borderline Hall of Fame career going into this season. But if the Lakers win, he has a championship, then, you know, his name is going to be mentioned with – you know, a, a different set of players. It's already Maybe. etched, I think, at that point in time, if he does win the championship. So Yeah, he'll be even even with Garnett and championships. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and Garnett and Dirk. I love how you mentioned that. I love how you mentioned that right there. <laughs> Especially the Garnett deal. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. But again, I'm speaking to my good friend Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Three games to two, still in favor of the Miami Heat, but Boston Celtics did win tonight uh, in a pretty comfortable victory 121 to 108 again that third quarter my gosh they did really turn it around if you listen to the game on radio you thought it was all over uh, according to the boston celtics announcers that you're listening to on the radio mm-hmm. and i'm because i'm driving along i'm hearing this and it's all doom and gloom and then 
when they turned it around and you just heard the defensive play after defensive play after defensive play, it really just turned everything around for the Celtics. And I want to ask you this, going into a game six for them or for each team, what are the adjustments that they need to make? Because when you have a loss like this, where it was definitive in that second half, you know, obviously if you're the Celtics, you want to go ahead and keep everything as, you know, as good as you can. But if you're Miami, what do you need to do to make some tweaks to get things back to, to where they were and obviously try to close out the series? I mean, I don't even know if either team really needs to do any major tweaks. Um, because they were, per, like they were did. even before, like you said. Yeah, they were even. And uh, I just think that um, well, Crowder finally shot decent, and he had been like, I, I want to say maybe before this series started, he was shooting like 50% from three, and yeah. then he, he definitely cooled off. And then he finally got going. Um, Robinson got his points today, but Hero really didn't. I think Hero probably got a lot of his points when the game was, when they were down. Um, but yeah, I guess Butler has to come out and, I think there's games where they may need him to score 20 and 25. I think there's times where he's too, I don't know. You never want to use the word passive with Jimmy Butler because, <laughs> you know, Jimmy Butler and, and aggression go together. But today he only took 11 shots in 36 minutes. So I think this is, there are games like this where they need him to be able to take over and be the star that he is. Um and for whatever reasons, he doesn't necessarily get criticized for it. Like, imagine if it were, you know, let's use the Lakers, for example. If it was game, I mean, of course, Braun and, and AD are held to a higher standard. But if there was an opportunity for a closeout game and, you know, Braun or AD only took 11 shots, then, you know, it would be a social media storm. And I think um, for Butler, he needs to have games where he decides, okay, we don't have it today. I'm going to put the team on my back. And right now, if, to me, Dragic is the one guy on Miami that brings it every single night. He's aggressive and assertive every night. Absolutely. And then that foul call at the end of the game was, I don't think it was a foul. I mean, the game, I don't think it would have made much of a difference, but um, I definitely don't think that uh, that was a foul. I mean, we have seen plays where guys – you know, they use their knee to shield off the defenders, but I think that was a basketball play that he made. But they're really calling it close at this point in time, and that's something that, you know, on these plays where it looks like there's something of any kind of, like, extraneous con uh, contact as far as physical contact, they're really trying to call it that close. And it's so weird because they'll call that, yet they won't call maybe hard fouls or something close to a hard foul on LeBron, I know for Lakers fans, and I know on Denver, they're screaming right now about how they're not getting any calls up there for the Denver uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, you know, I, I don't like having to blame the refs. I, I do think there is, you know, if I'm Denver, I I, I definitely would, would think that if the roles were reversed, then you know, for if it was another player the call on Murray would have went another way, especially late in the game. Mm. But I mean, I like what Mike Malone said, even though he kind of like played both ends of the, of the fence when he did talk about the refs. But 
at the end of the day, they got out rebounded. If you if they had a better effort on the boards or if the Lakers came out and rebounded like they did the last game, then it wouldn't have came down to that call. I agree with you on that. It was just, like I said, a matter of energy, and I thought the Lakers did bring enough energy to match what Denver was putting out. And I think Jokic getting into foul trouble really hurts Denver in so many ways when he's mm-hmm. off the floor, and I think that creates a lot of problems. And I see the Lakers' easier victories happen when he's off the floor with foul trouble. Yeah, I mean, he's the engine. Yeah. I mean, he he makes everything go. I mean, Murray scores, and he's been getting assists, but to me, everything still kind of runs around Jokic because he's, you know, he just fills so many, so many holes for them. Like he takes the other team's best defender big out the paint. He, um, you know, you get a switch, he'll post up your your smaller guys. He knocks down open shots. I mean, he's just such a weapon that you got a, a center that can be your point guard. And then I think the the move with putting Dwight in with his activity and energy. It kind of puts Jokic in a situation where he is more likely to draw fouls. So um, he's got to find a way to be aggressive, but stay out of foul trouble. And that's hard to do with those two guys on the floor because you you got to box them out. You can't slip up when the shot goes up, and you know those guys are going to get rebounds and hustle plays. And th- think how many times do you pick up fouls if you know the team gets offensive rebound, you're going for it, and then they go up for a shot, and then you get a reach and foul trying to stop the easy two. And I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, Jokic is going to struggle with if, as long as Dwight and AD are playing together. Well, I'm going to say this because we're going to now just quickly preview tomorrow get tomorrow's game between the mm-hmm. Lakers and the Nuggets in a game five. When I ask you this, my friend, I would not change a thing as far as the starting lineup. I'd still have Dwight out, but – I'm going to say, and I'm going to guess, and I'm going to gamble on Dwight not going two games in a row without any stupid fouls because <laughs> it, it's just too much to ask for him. So I, I'm going to probably say it's going to be hard for him to repeat his performance two games in a row. What are your assessment on that? I mean, I would still start Dwight Howard. I would still go with the gamble on that because obviously he played so well in the previous game. But what do the Nuggets need to do on their end and then I'll ask you what the Lakers are going to do on their end to, as far as to try and close out the series. But it, to stay alive, to, to continue, make it try to make it three series in a row where they come back three to one, what do the Nuggets need to do just a little bit differently? Because they're not far off. Yeah, I mean, make sure Jokic stays out of foul trouble, which I just mentioned is going to be tough because, like I said, not only do you have AD and Dwight in their activities, it's easy to draw fouls on you know, those guys, because they're so active. But then you also have LeBron James going to the rim. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the main thing. If Jokic can stay out of foul trouble, I think he needs to be aggressive also. If I'm not mistaken, he hasn't scored a basket in the fourth quarter of the last two games. Yes. Which, again, even though he's, I consider him a superstar, and I think he's been all NBA, nobody's really talking about that. He's not going to get the same criticism as different players you know like if another all nba player didn't score in the fourth quarter think about paul george or Kawhi. i mean just the Play heat that they got right uh if it was a harden or westbrook or you know uh, uh, lebron yeah lebron or i mean i even saw lebron miss that pull-up jumper 
at the free throw line late in the game. I even saw the tweet saying, "All time greats would have never missed that shot." <laughs> you know, so and it's coming from Laker fans. It's like, do you guys like him, or or if, if he doesn't succeed, then you know it's going to be like, well, Kobe would have did this, Magic would have did this. I think he's in a no win situation. No, because there's that segment that is just barely accepting him. There's that there's that crowd that's embracing him as far as Laker fans, and then there's that crowd that say, you know what, all right, he's here, we'll just have to deal with it. Yeah, I have a friend I get on him all the time because he absolutely hates Dwight Howard, and I'm like, all right, we got to pick a side. Do you are you rooting for him now? Because if he has a game like he had a few games ago where he looks like Orlando Dwight. You're all about it. But then when he picks up a silly foul and then you're just like, oh, I hate him. Yada, yada. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Jokic, he hasn't got the same negative attention because, you know, his series is on the line. It's, you know, and he can't have another game, three games in a row where he doesn't score in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Uh, and if that's the case, it's going to be an early exit this time the Denver Nuggets if they don't go ahead and change some things around. But for the Lakers, you just got to go ahead and make sure that you try to do what you can to stay focused and have that energy. Because we saw when they don't have that energy, they can be easily outplayed. Yeah, I mean, Denver's tough. I mean, they, they're they not going to sit down. They're, I mean, they're actually kind of right where they, uh, they've been successful. Yep. So, yeah, the Lakers definitely can't. I mean, the Lakers have to look at this as like a game seven in a sense because this is the last team you want to give any confidence and momentum to. Because if you leave that door open. They're yeah. coming. Yeah. And that's that's something I'm very fearful of. But it, like I said, it, the Lakers have a, a good, very, you know, a good possibility to close this out. It's going to be very difficult to beat the Lakers with LeBron and AD three times in a row. I'm just going to tell right. you. But then again, that's what we said with with Kawhi and playoff P and, you know, it just as well with Donovan Mitchell scoring 50. You know, you just you have these variables already for Denver Nuggets. So this is not something that they're fearful of. This is not something that they're intimidated by. This is something that they're used to already. So that's something that that could be very concerning if you're Lakers fans. Yeah, and you also have to worry, like, is this a team of destiny in a sense? Because not only were they down 3-1 the first uh, the first series, that shot went in halfway in the rim and came out. They could easily be out of there. Um, and then just they were down 3-1, down 20 in the last, you know. And was uh, game. 19, 16, and 12 in those last three games. And came back and won. So you have to – it's crossed my mind. Like, is this a 2011 Dallas Mavericks-type run where just, you know, you just get a whole bunch of things that go your way? I mean, I remember that Mavericks year they won. And I remember um, talking to some, like, a high-ranking official with the Mavs because I was working for the Texas Legends at the time. And he said – if we lose this series to Portland, we're, we're probably all losing our jobs. And they won that series. Then they came back in the second round, and then they swept the Lakers. And you're like, what? <laughs> and <laughs> then with Oklahoma City, you know, Dirk had those games where he had like 48 points, and he was just, you know, he had to beat Harden, Westbrook, Durant, Ibaka, and they were young at the time. 
then uh you know you get to Miami and they were down weren't they down 2-0 if yep. I'm mistaken <laughs> so then they end up it was just like a destiny and somehow some I'm seeing like some small similarities with this with this uh this Denver team and that's why game this next game for the Lakers that LeBron has to come out aggressive and assertive. You don't want to enter the fourth quarter in a close game, in my opinion, because to me, Jamal Murray has been the best player in the fourth quarter this series. It's like he's making unbelievable shots. I mean, circus shots time and time again. I I can't disagree with you there. He's been incredible. One thing is, will he be able to sustain it or is he going to become like, in a sense, like playoff Rondo where he ratches it up like, tenfold from what he does in a regular season. I mean, is he going to become that superstar player for 82 games? We'll wait and see. Maybe that just comes with age and maturity where we'll see that next year where he reaches that level during the regular season. But my gosh, two playoff series in a row, he's been extremely good and at a superstar level for the Denver Nuggets. And I'm hoping that the Lakers will go ahead and throw enough at him to slow him down even a little. And if they can go ahead and play a smart game with some energy, I think the Lakers can pull it out. Oh, I don't want to say I agree with Tom on five because I said six, but if Laker Tom was here now, you know he'd say, Lakers in five, Gerald, Lakers in five. So, you know, we have to go ahead and give him the shout out. Now. He's probably got, as you would say, 10, 12 articles already set in the chamber. So, Oh, yeah, he already has the... Uh... <laughs> He has the Lakers heat. You know, he's got that game one preview written out. Then he's got Lakers Celtics preview written out. He's got his Lakers championship. What we need to do next season preview written out. How we, ten ten ways to trade to <laughs> McGee. His <laughs> trades. And then uh, I got to get his draft stuff going. Exactly. Shout out to Laker Tom. Great guy. Great guy indeed, <laughs> yes. We give him a hard time on this show, and we do that. But you know what? He is a terrific guy both on and off the camera, and he does a great job at LakerHollis.com. And we do want his site to succeed. And if you go mm-hmm. to LakerHollis.com, you're also going to see an interview that I did today with Jeff Perlman, the author, New York Times bestselling author, of the current number one sports biography out there on Amazon, Three Ring Circus, which details the early 2000s dynasty of Kobe, Shaq, and Phil, but not only before, during, and after. It's just really a great in-depth book. I hope everybody gets a chance to read it and go check it out today. Got a chance to talk with him at length. So if you want to check out LakerHolics.com, the video interviews there, or Facebook at Lakers Fast Break. And then also the audio portion, if you want to go ahead and do it on your drive to work or something like that, it's going to be available on the Pop Culture Cosmos and the Lakers Fast Break on Monday. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Hey, Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, 
there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. What you got on the fire, my friend? Because I know you got a lot burning up there at NBA Draft Junkies. I know, same day, all the all yeah, day, yeah, your, your famous saying, but you've always got something in the chamber for NBA Draft Junkies. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I, I set a goal that I want to try to make a video every day. So um, it's going to be a lot of work. And um, that, that's my goal. So I think I'm at like 16 videos in 25 days. I had to figure out what day it is. 16 videos in 25 days. So it's not, I mean, it's going to be tough for me to make it happen in September. But if I can do it in October, you know, the more content, you know, the more, you know, my site grows, the more subscribers, the more uh, YouTube money and revenue that I, I can get. So I'm kind of motivated by that. And, um, you know, just kind of get better every month. And that's my goal. So what I plan on doing for this week coming up is highlighting some some international prospects that I think will get drafted in the second round. And I, I have two videos that I've that I've worked on. Only thing is like I'm trying to decide do I want to go with keep doing the voiceovers on the videos, which takes significant amount of time. Or do I go back to what I was doing in the previous years? I would, you know, make the video, but then I'd have just like different little um, lower thirds, little graphics explaining what what I like or what I saw. I'm kind of torn on that. If I go back with the graphics and not doing the voiceovers, my production will increase a lot more. But, um, you know, I guess my goal is to be the best site. <laughs> so well, and then, but then it takes away to... from you. It takes away from people getting to know you and you talk yeah. about the YouTube and all that and order to have that YouTube personality put in front of your name, get to those heights and levels. They, I mean, people will obviously have to come to know you and you're terrific on the mic. So, I mean, yes, it is more work. So I vote to keep you on the mic, but that's just me. I know I'm just committing you to a lot more work. So you'll probably just curse me out at some point at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Well, I value your opinion, so um, consider it done. <laughs> so uh, I'll go back to the uh, to the voiceovers. Okay, you can. Uh, if worst comes to worst, you can just hop on a plane real quick, come to Las Vegas, and throw a mic at me or something like that if you want to. <laughs> that costs money. <laughs> that's, that's true, indeed. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You have got to go to his site, nbadraftjunkies.com. NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube and his two awesome podcasts, Run the Floor and, of course, NBA Draft Junkies. They are on all podcast formats. It's so detailed. He's got so many great videos. I've just been showing everybody on Facebook Live each and every day that I have him on the row after row after row. His latest video has actually just one of those people that reached out to you to go ahead and talk big board. And so you had, I think, who is it? Uh, Derek. I'm looking for his last name right now. Proshak. Yeah, he's a pr- uh, pr- right? It sounds like Proshak. I think he said Proshak. He's, uh, he's kind of controversial because his opinion is far different than the majority. But, you know, that's that's kind of why I had the platform. I wanted to give guys an opportunity to, to uh, discuss their thoughts, whether they're right or they're wrong or just their opinions. 
on my platform. And so he's been uh, he's been the the one whose opinion has been a lot far left than others. But you've had some ones that are a little bit mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, for him with Avdia and I mean, I think he had Avdia, Pokashevsky and Cole Anthony, 21 and below. Um, Yikes. He, he didn't have I think he had Obi Toppin was in a lottery pick. He had Wiseman and Okongu at the, the back end of the lottery. So totally different. He had a couple guys like Paul Reed and um, I can't think of the other guy. Uh, Paul Reed and I, I want to say Jalen Smith in the lottery. And But he gave his reasons. Like That was the thing that I respected about it is that all the points that he brought up were, were valid of why he had certain players ahead of other players. So um, I'm just thankful that I have the platform to where I can, you know, open the floor up for other guys to come in and express their opinion. And, you know, a couple thousand people watch the video and, you know, critique, agree or disagree. So hopefully um, it's something I want to continue doing going forward because, you, you know, you never know what you can get out of it. Absolutely. I mean, if I can ever step in with my big board that I do on occasion, I'll step in on it. You know, if you wish, Oh yeah, we can do it this week. All right, we can do it this week coming up. Sounds sounds like a plan. Hopefully, I won't be too far left or too far right because you know that's a very tricky situation these days. I'm talking NBA draft. I'm talking yeah, NBA yeah. draft. <laughs> not politics. Yeah, not politics indeed. Just wanted to give a quick update on Anthony Davis' status for Game Five of the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Nuggets for Saturday. I know Frank Vogel, after practice on Friday, said that Anthony Davis is good to go, both him and LeBron, but he has been officially listed as questionable right now based on the injury to his ankle that he suffered in Game 4. So we at the Lakers Fast Break will be keeping an eye on that. If you want to check out the latest updates, we will go and let you know on our Twitter feed at Lakers Fast Break. So please follow us at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter. We will keep you up to date on Anthony Davis, his status on his ankle, and whether or not he's going to be playing in Game 5. So keep in tune with us there, right at Twitter, at Lakers Fast Break. But as my good friend Rafael Barlow, please visit his site and experience today, NBA Draft Junkies. And for me, like I mentioned, dropped another episode of the PCC Multiverse talking about Xbox buying Bethesda, talking about all the movie changes and so much more on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. Lakers Fast Break. Again, that interview with Jeff Perlman comes to the Pop Culture Cosmos and Lakers Fast Break on Monday for audio, where you can catch it now on video. Inside Sports Fantasy Football for week three. We're going to have it's already available, it's already out. So if you need some help with your fantasy football teams, you got some help right there for you. Interside Sports Fantasy Football. Tell you what, it's going to be a great weekend. Hopefully, we're going to go ahead and get some decisions made for the Lakers. But Rafael and I will be back tomorrow with Laker Tom. <laughs> You'll be either very happy or very angry coming up here in about 24 hours, right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. May have some other Lakerholics as well, but check out their site, Lakerholics.com. Both Raphael and I contribute to it, so hopefully you'll give it a chance indeed. Well, my friend, it's been always great talking to you as well. Look forward to our conversation tomorrow. Look forward to how much Laker Tom can go off 
in the span of an hour. See how much she can talk about as far as the Lakers and the Nuggets for Game 5 right here tomorrow at the Lakers Fast Break.